This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. The following podcast contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, March 15th, the Simpering Airhead Mermaid edition. I'm Gabriel Roth. I'm an editor at Slate and the father of Eliza, age seven, and Leo, who is three and three quarters. I'm Rebecca Lavoie. I'm a journalist and podcaster in New Hampshire, and I am mom to Henry, who is 16, Teddy, who is 15, and I have a beautiful stepdaughter, Lily, who is 17. I'm Catherine Goldstein, in for Carvel Wallace, and I'm the mom to Asher, who is two and a half. Today on our show, we have a question about what to do when you hate your friend's kids and another about what to do when you hate your kid's favorite TV shows. Plus, as always, we'll have triumphs and fails. We'll have recommendations. And on Slate Plus, you'll get to hear Rebecca Dish on her evolving relationship with her son's girlfriend's family. If you want to hear that segment and many more, slate.com slash Plus. First, though, triumphs and fails. Catherine, welcome to the show. How has your week been? Has it been a week of triumph or a week of failure? Well, so today I have a fail, which I am going to describe as a slow unfolding fail over many months or perhaps even a year, given the fact that my son is only two and a half, I think is pretty an impressively long stint of fail. Okay. So um, my son can be a picky eater. And I know this is like par for the course. Toddlers are picky. They have opinions about everything. I know it's not that big a deal. Basically, where I see the fail is, is that he has convinced me and my husband to make him separate food for dinner every night, just so we don't have to listen to him whine about not wanting to eat the things that we're eating. (laughs) And the reason I know that this is a true fail is because he goes to daycare where they give him breakfast and lunch, and he eats absolutely everything that they serve him including beans and rice, buckwheat and mixed vegetables, um, all sorts of like fruit I've never been able to get him to eat. So basically, I feel like this is a fail because when we bring him home in the evening, he's tired, we're tired, we, we, we do try to sit down and all eat together, which is really nice. But basically, because there's so many constant fights, we have like consented to feeding our child like chicken nuggets and pizza all the time because it's just like fucking easier. And so basically, it's not even that he's that picky. The fail is that we have allowed him to completely take control of the situation and run roughshod over like eating home cooked food. Hmm. I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you and your husband then sit down and eat together after this um, letting him run roughshod over your whole plan? Um, We all sit down together, us with our home cooked meal him Mm -hmm. with his frozen chicken nuggets that we've defrosted and we're all sitting together and like occasionally like I'll put some of our food on his plate he'll scream to take it off and I'm just like okay whatever um and you know we do like have conversations at the dinner table like we eat together which I like but basically I think there's a lot of reasons we ended up in this place but like If we are going to the effort to, like, make healthy home-cooked meals, and I get that, like, maybe toddlers aren't going to eat, like, a spicy curry, but, like, 
if we're eating roast chicken, he should we should not be making him chicken nuggets. Like there's just right. no reason for that. And it's just ba- mainly because we've like allowed ourselves to like fall into the same patterns, not like ever try to push this. And also, you know, he doesn't eat most of his meals with us during the week. So like he is capable of eating all those things, which is great, but we don't really get any sort of consistent like practice in like saying, no, this is really what you're going to eat. So mm. I'm going to say this is fine and you're doing the right thing. It's not a fail. Me too. I totally agree. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Yeah, like, okay, he's not allergic to eating buckwheat and vegetables and beans and rice and whatever, right? But this is the evening. He's tired. He's at home. He's in his, like, safe place at home. This is when he's going to regress a little bit. This is when he's not going to be his, like, oh, now I have to do the right thing and eat this weird food that they're putting in front of me. This is where he is, like, going to let it all hang out. Right. This is where he maybe has the opportunity to have some autonomy. To like make his own decision and not just accept whatever is given to him, but instead like, no, I like fucking pizza and I like chicken nuggets and this is my time (laughs) and that's what I'm going to have. Right. Okay. As a two and a half year old, he doesn't have a lot of opportunities right. to do that. So maybe this is an acceptable compromise and he is probably not going to grow up into an adult who only eats chicken nuggets. And I think you're doing the right thing because now you get to have a nice dinner together. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. So I totally agree. Okay. Well, that makes me feel better. Um, but I think, yeah, I think that it just has gotten to the place where I just felt like there were opportunities for him to, you know, like, y- you're right. It's a totally an autonomy thing. It's totally, this is a way for him to exert himself. I think it just, I never really imagined myself as someone who's like, I'm going to make kid dinner for you. Um it just like is jarring and I guess but part of this is just letting go of my expectations. Yeah, this is you compromising your autonomy right? <laughs> and not getting to be the person you want to be in order that he gets to be the person right. he wants to be for one hour right. every evening. And I know we're not right. eating Ritz crackers and cheese sticks and that's it. Like I, mm. we, it's really <laughs> like <laughs> I know it could be some. a lot worse. But all right. So I don't know if I want to – I'm going to – so I, should I rebrand this not as a fail, as a <laughs> – I think the failure is your guilt around it. <laughs> yeah. My failure exactly. is that I'm too hard on myself. Yeah. Your failure the is – constant mom failure. Right. Going forward, you need to accept that like unfortunately you have to settle for the inconvenience of making two dinners for a little while in order to have this lovely family dinner. Okay. Never mind. All right. Uh, (laughs) One down. Rebecca? So I also have a fail, and it's something that I think I talked about a few weeks ago as a potential triumph, which is – I signed Teddy up for these remote voice lessons with this really great teacher who teaches kids over Skype uh, singing lessons and um, instrumental lessons. And uh, it was a total disaster, total disaster, <laughs> like money out the window. You know, I when I wrote to her a couple of days ago to tell her that we weren't going to continue, I had already written her a check for the month. And I'm just so demoralized by the process around it that I um, just told her to keep the money. <laughs> wow. I didn't even yeah. say like give me the money. It was one of those like it wasn't her fault and it wasn't particularly Teddy's fault. It was just sort of like it was just a bad, bad fit. And um, my fail here is that I don't feel like um, – I set the proper expectation for myself and really followed through in like thinking that, you know, Teddy has an issue with just sort of like doing the stuff he's supposed to do and homework. And we've talked about this a lot on the show. And part of taking voice lessons and any kind of instrumental lessons, of course, is practice and preparation. And um, 
in my mind, I just sort of thought like this is something he really wanted to do. And so we'll just like let him take the lead and, and be motivated. And when she sends him like the file for the piano part for the song he wants to do, like he needs to download it on his own computer. And, you know, she's just going to email him directly and they'll just, do, you know, deal with it together. And it just didn't work. And <laughs> what, I, what, I, what I figured out was that like he, I think, he does really well with things that are in person. And sort of for the sake of convenience, I did this option because it's like one more thing that like I don't have the time to drive him to every week, figure out a place to go and then get him there and schedule the time. So I thought the Skype thing would be an easy solution and uh, it was a freaking disaster. So for all the parents who write us questions about like, you know, my kids started an activity and now they want to quit and I don't know how to feel because I feel like they should follow through and yada, yada, yada. And we always say like – like kids do this all the time like this is an example of that and the failure on my part was just that like my level of optimism about it outweighed the reality of the situation and i ended up throwing a bunch of money out the window so that's my fail for the week hmm. i think the moral of that fail is the internet sucks don't use the internet for stuff <laughs> <It does. laughs> right well it's i i think it's one thing like you know some kids like teddy also plays the bass and he's learned a lot about playing the bass from watching youtube videos but that's like 100% on his time, right? So he's, you know, playing video games. He's like watching YouTube videos about video games. And then he like watches a couple of videos about the bass and like learns how to play a couple of songs. And it's not like at six o'clock on a Thursday that he has to sit down and watch a YouTube video about bass playing. Like, I just don't think that would work. You know what I mean? So I, the internet, it's partially the internet, but it's also partially, I think, overestimating you know, just sort of not making the connection between like the challenges he has and thinking that the internet would fix that challenge. You know what I mean? The internet's not magic. It's just a tool. Mm. Right. You know what I mean? It sounded like it just made so much more, so many unexpected logistical challenges. And oh, that yeah. really it was, was more what, work. what got it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. I have a, uh, I think it's a triumph that uh, hopefully is not just sort of setting the stage for a fail coming up. <laughs> Um, we'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll be able to report back next week. This is like poten- this is either a triumph or it's like the potential energy of fails. You remember you learned in school about when you put something on a high shelf, you've given it potential energy because now all it can do is fall down. Anyway, that's not what's happening here. What's happening here is um, my wife, Tally, and Eliza are going away on a trip next weekend. And so Leo and I are going to be home together the whole weekend. And the first you know, the first thing you got to do then is you got to frame this for Leo. Like it's lovely for them that they're going away. They're going to go on a fun trip and they get to spend some time together and that will be great for Eliza and they'll have a great time. And how does it not feel to Leo like mommy is leaving you behind? So when we presented it to him right away, we frame it as they're going on this trip and you and me are going to have dude time. We're going to do so much fun stuff. We're going to have a super fun dudes in the city weekend, and it's going to be really fun. We, I don't actually say like dudes in the city like that because he's three and he doesn't know what that would even – he doesn't even know what I'm making fun of there. But um, you frame this as like a fun, exciting thing. Um, and he, you know, it doesn't work 100%. Like the look of – like his brow furrows, right, at the thought of like mommy and Eliza are going away. Uh, but he also sort of gets behind it and I ask him what he wants to do. And we talk about going to the firefighter museum in Manhattan and there's one friend who he really wants to have a play date with. And so I set up a play date with the friend to go to the firefighter museum on Sunday afternoon and we're going to get ice cream and there's going to be, and I've like been talking to him so much about all the fun dude things that we're going to do that yesterday at dinner, 
spontaneously, apropos of nothing, he said, I'm really looking forward to dude time. <laughs> so I have triumphed in as much as now he's really looking forward to dude time. Uh, I have That's also good. now set myself up that now dude time really has to deliver. So um, I will report back on that next week. Let's see if it's a triumph or a fail. Can't wait. That. Thank you. <laughs> I'm looking forward to dude time too, frankly. I just hope it's not a catastrophe. <laughs> Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, before we move on, uh, it's time to do the business. As always, if you have a question you want us to tackle, you can leave us a message at 424-255-7833 or send us an email at momanddadatslate.com. Uh, we want to tell you about another great Slate advice show, Dear Prudence. You want to escape into somebody else's problems for a while? Slate's Dear Prudence is the podcast for you. The most recent episode features Josh Gondelman. He's a stand-up comedian and a writer for Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. They discuss a question about an uncle who refuses to come to the listener's wedding unless he is joined by the woman he had an affair with, despite the rest of their family still being devastated. To hear that question... And more, you can check out Dear Prudence wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I want to remind you that we have moved our Facebook identity. Uh, we are no longer on the old mom and dad are fighting page. But if you search for Slate Parenting on Facebook, you will find our Facebook group. It's much more active than the old page. There are already a ton of great discussions about each episode of this show and other parenting topics beside. Go to Slate Parenting on Facebook. On today's Slate Plus segment, uh, we're going to hear from Rebecca Lavoie about her relationship with her son's girlfriend's parents, uh, which is evolving in new and complicated ways. Uh, if you want to get the inside scoop on that and other great Slate Plus segments every week, sign up for Slate Plus at slate.com slash Mom and Dad Plus. It's just $35 for your first year. It helps us make this show, and you get an extended ad-free version of this show and other great Slate podcasts every week. Again, that's slate.com slash Plus. Okay, let's go. This first question is read for us by Slate Culture intern Lena Wilson. Dear Mom and Dad are fighting. I have a dilemma about my son's media intake. There's a show that he really likes to watch that I absolutely hate. I could get past annoying sounds and voices, because let's be real, all shows that five-year-olds like are at least a little shrill and annoying, but what I can't seem to get past is this. The show has three main characters, two male and one female. Both the males have things going for them. They're either strong or cunning, in a wily e. coyote always gets beaten kind of way, or just plain have agency over themselves and their bodies. The female character has none of that. She's a simpering, airheaded mermaid with no skills, no intelligence, and a penchant for staring at herself in a mirror. She has no agency as she's yanked between one male and the other as they constantly fight for possession of her. Frankly, the way the male characters treat the female is concerning and not what I want to be teaching my son about how to treat women. I had my son when I was 17 and went on to finish high school and earn a college degree and am now making a mostly livable wage. I left my son's father very early in his life due to emotional abuse and have never looked back. It's so important to me that he have both role models of strong women and for how to treat women. I feel like this show misses the mark so much, but he loves it. 
I'm also vehemently opposed to about 90% of parental censorship. But I'm not sure that my son is old enough to have a conversation along the lines of, we shouldn't treat women the way the men in this show do. Also, how do I address the fact that the women in the show is not a good portrayal of women? I don't know what to do. I would welcome any thoughts or ideas. Alana. Okay, so... I love this question. And this was a question posed on our Facebook group, right? Facebook.com slash groups slash Slate Parents. Okay, that one. Right? <laughs> Sla- slash Slate Parenting. <laughs> That's Let's how to get there. It. All right. And it's it's worth checking out because the conversations there are great. Um, I will say now what I said to this mom on that page, which is that I had exactly the same experience with many of the shows that my boys watched when they were little. And like Alana, I don't agree with a lot of this whole parenting censorship thing. I know it's, you know, a lot of people limit screen time. That's fine. Whatever choices you choose to make, that's fine. But I do think these are opportunities to kick off interesting and important conversations. And what I suggested she do is exactly what I did when I was in her shoes and The show that I was talking about at the time was a little juggernaut show called Bob the Builder, which had a lot of upside and then a couple of like really uncomfortable things in it for me watching it as a parent and as a woman. Um, And what, what I would say to do is, you know, at the dinner table, talk about the TV shows your son is into the same way you talk about your day. Like this is part of his life and his experience. So so bring it up as a topic of conversation and tell him, you know, I'm not going to stop you from watching the show, but let me tell you what I see when I watch it. You know, it bothers me because of X, Y, and Z. And, you know, when you get older, you'll come to understand that there are issues with X, Y, and Z. And when I see it, I see that the boys aren't being treated the same way as the girls in the show. And I see that the characters of the boys are drawn differently and act differently and look at themselves differently than the girls in the show. And that's a problem for me. Um, And just sort of frame it about you um, as a parent, what you see. And I think what will happen, this is what happened with my kids, is that you won't have to do anything. The kid will just start seeing those things himself. And... He may or may not decide to stop watching the show as well. He probably won't. But that awareness alone is so incredibly valuable. And then if what happened to my kids with Bob the Builder happens to you, he may then come to you and say, guess what happened on this show today? You know, the, the boys said this to the girl and it was terrible because blah, 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 blah. And even if he keeps watching it because he like just likes it, he'll, he'll watch it differently and he'll see different things about it. And it will shape the way that he consumes these kinds of shows in the future. Like, it's very surprising how a candid, transparent conversation with a kid can be, even if you say things like, you know, I think you're too young to understand why this is a big deal, but I'll tell you why it's a big deal to me. Um, they really can can listen to that kind of conversation. They feel like they're being let in on something. And you can shape your kid's lens a little bit when you are honest in that way. So that that's my advice around this. I totally agree with Rebecca. I think that's really, really smart advice. I, the other things I would add is um, even if you're able to introduce uh, new shows or he gets tired of this show, you know, the reality, of course, is that we can't control every show and image and message that our kids get. And your son is going to take so much more away from his relation about his understanding about women, his relationship with women by you as a role model. And it sounds like you have a really amazing story and have accomplished a lot in your life and are a strong woman. And he's going to learn so much more about 
women and how to treat women from his interactions with you. So even if he, you know, stops watching this show and moves on or doesn't stop watching the show, your relationship is really the primary imprint. And I think you should be proud of what you've accomplished and the conversations you'll have with him around that. Um, and I, I was also thinking a little bit about my own experience as a kid when I uh, read your letter, which was, um, so I remember when I was maybe five or six, having Barbies and my mom talking about how she didn't like Barbies. And I remember asking her, well, why don't you like Barbies? And she said, I don't like them because I think they promote the idea that women are supposed to look a certain way. And so now, you know, nearly 30 years later, I remember my mom saying that about Barbies and it wasn't about banishing all Barbies from the house. I lost interest in Barbies relatively quickly. Um, But it's about those sort of clear and important moments where you share your values, um, even when your kids are getting all sorts of different messages. Okay. First, I want to like sign on to everything that you guys have just said, because that all seems right and valuable. I also want to introduce, um, there's a possibility that there's a risk that you take with these conversations. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't have them, but it's something to be aware of going in. And I think the way Rebecca framed that conversation was very carefully designed to try to minimize this risk. Um, But there is a risk that you set it up where for a five-year-old boy, it becomes, oh, I really love The Mermaid Show and mommy hates The Mermaid Show. The Mermaid Mm. Show is my thing. Mommy doesn't like it, but I love it. And that could backfire on you. And then for a little while, The Mermaid Show becomes like an even larger presence in your life and in your household in a way that like is not actually to do with what seems most reprehensible to you about the show. What's on, it's only to do with a five-year-old boy's developing sense of autonomy and wanting to like have his own thing. Um, and I think the, Rebe- the way Rebecca framed that conversation, again, uh, is your best shot at not setting up that dynamic. Um, but it's a risk you take. And if, if that seems to be happening, um, maybe the thing to do is is to drop it for a while and, and try instead to get him into another really great show um, and, and see if you can, like, wait this one out and, and let his excitement kind of die out instead of stoking it by making it the delicious forbidden fruit of misogynistic mermaid cartoons or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I made that mistake. I mean, the reason I'm framing that so carefully is because I made exactly the mistake you're talking about with my stepdaughter. Uh, she was obsessed with these like awful, awful, awful lower quality uh, like tween shows for a very long time. Um, I sort of have like, even like a taxonomy of of those like Nickelodeon Disney tween shows where some of them were very clever and good, and then some of them were just like awful, awful, awful. And um, she just really loved the awful ones more. She just did. <laughs> I would always be like kind of disdainful about them, like oh, ugh, ugh. What did that do? It made her like watch them until she was like 14 years old, you know, like way beyond when other kids would wouldn't watch it because they became her thing. And, you know, it would be like when she had time to use the TV, like if I was working in the office or whatever, I would come out and this is what she'd be sitting there watching. And she'd just give me a look like, yeah, say something. I dare you, you know? <laughs> so I, I, I think it's important to not make it a versus situation, you know? I do feel like I uh, like I have an ongoing love affair with comics and graphic novels as a medium, which has been very enriching for me in the course of my life. And I probably wouldn't have it if my mom hadn't looked down her nose at comic books when I was a kid. Yeah. Like if that hadn't been the one kind of reading that wasn't parentally approved. And so it gets to be my thing. Um, 
this is where really significant passions form. So again, if you don't want your kid to grow up to be one of those guys who works on like the fan wiki for the mermaid cartoon, <laughs> oh, make sure make sure you dial it back a little bit. <laughs> the subreddit moderator for the yeah <laughs> yeah he's I have a whole collection of all of them on hard drives and hard drives anyway um, thank you for your question uh, Alana. wait wait did, did, no, did we just more? find out that you are in charge of the fan wiki for some comic book that we need to now <laughs> discover like dig for and find out uh, we didn't discover that but uh, <laughs> if you want to do more research of your own at home <clears throat> Batman and the Outsiders <clears throat> <laughs> Uh, in any case, Alana, thank you for the question, and um, good luck. Let us know how it goes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, uh, time for our next question from an anonymous listener. It's also being read for us by Lena Wilson. Dear mom and dad are fighting. My partner and I are very close with another couple. We've been friends for years and go over to their house at least once a week. They have two sons, ages three and six. We're expecting our first child in a few months. We really don't like their kids. It's not a phase because we have seen the boys since they were newborns and the behaviors that drive us crazy have been a thing for years. Our friends don't have great parenting techniques, and it exacerbates some really challenging behaviors in their kids. Our friends are obviously unhappy and overwhelmed as parents. They call themselves bad parents, especially when their kids melt down, which is often. My partner and I both have a lot of experience with kids. I'm a behavior specialist in public schools, and he worked for a daycare for years. We like kids and play with our friends' kids every time we go over. We always go to their house so that the boys can stay on their routine. We really want to help, partly because it's hard to see our friends so unhappy and partly because it's so miserable to hang out with those domineering little a-holes. They aren't open to getting a babysitter and going out, so it's either spend time with the kids or lose our friends. Is there anything we could do or say as non-parents that won't be super offensive or judgmental? Anonymous friend. So um, there are two things at play here that I think are really important and interesting. One, I think... As non-parents, there is nothing you can say that wouldn't be judgmental and offensive. Even though you all are, you know, have great expertise and knowledge uh, about kids and have worked professionally, uh, I just think even as even when you are parents, there might be nothing you can say that wouldn't be judgmental and offensive. Unless, of course, they come to you and ask for advice. I don't think you should say anything uh, to them. The other part of this that's really interesting is it sounds like your dynamic in this friendship is somewhat unfulfilling. Like, I'm a little surprised you sort of describe the scene as, as pretty um, not very fun to be around, but you hang out with them every week, which is kind of a lot. So my my instinct is that when you all have your own child, the dynamic is going to change because you are going to be less willing and able to sort of drop everything and sort of work in the confines of, you know, their schedules and their lives. And you're going to have your own nap schedules and your own sort of priorities in your own home. And that might be an opportunity to sort of redefine the friendship. Um, I think it's really a bummer that they don't want to ever get a babysitter. I'm not quite sure what's going on with that. But I think you all are going to have more opportunity to say things like, 
we're really ready for a child-free night out because, you know, you know, once you're ready to have babysitters and, and leave your baby at home, um, you know, would you like to join us out? And I think that the, that it, it's going to change your dynamic. And hopefully if there are parts of this friendship that are really satisfying to you, maybe there's also opportunities for different configurations of adult hangouts, you will be able to continue this friendship. But basically, I think um, it's becoming a parent actually made me way less judgmental of other parents. And I think there's really nothing you can say that is appropriate in the situation about their kids' behavior. I I think that's mostly true. It's probably true. I, I do wonder if the friends are calling themselves bad parents, is that an opening to have some kind of conversation not along the lines of, oh, well, here's a tip for you to make you less of a bad parent, more along the lines of, you guys seem to really be having a hard time with this. Do you want to talk about it? Like mm-hmm. parents who watch their kids having a tantrum and blame themselves for it and identify themselves as bad parents are not in a happy situation. Um, and it may be that, like, if if you can be a sort of supportive listening friend to them about that, then it can open up the possibility of them telling you why they feel so stuck with the way things are and maybe you suggesting that things don't have to be the particular way that they are. Um but I definitely agree that like charging in with, oh, well, this is how you should handle a toddler melting down is probably not going to look great or feel great to them. Yeah, you're both on the money. And I- I'm going to go even a little bit further and say, you know, step back for a second and imagine how your friends would feel if they read the email that you sent to the show. How would they feel about um, the per- perception that you have that they're unhappy parents, that their kids are, you know, miserable tyrants, that they're not likable, these kids, and that these people often say we're not good parents, so they aren't good parents for some, uh, you know, because you're taking that literally. I mean, these parents sound like they have a lot of anxiety. They sound overwhelmed. They sound like they could use some help. So what I would say is, you know, do you guys need help? Can we help you guys? You know, if if this friendship is really important to you, which, you know, to me, I, I'm going to agree with Catherine. I sort of hear like there, there's a relationship issue here, I think, between you and these people that if you've been holding this in for years and you felt this way for years and you feel like kind of trapped because you have to go over to their house and see their kids and you either really, really love these people or you really, really love pain, right? The pain of having to deal with uh, this situation, which you find untenable. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't say uh, anything to them unless it's an offer to help, unless it's an offer of you know, hey, can we watch the kids for you guys so that you can go out and have a good time? Now, you might immediately say, like, no, I don't want to do that because the kids are horrible. Maybe the kids are horrible because they, you know, aren't in new situations enough. Maybe you can handle that horror and form a new kind of relationship with these kids if you're alone with them for an hour. Who knows? But I would say either, you know, change this relationship. Uh, don't hang out with these people anymore if they make you so miserable because I don't think you're doing them any favors by judging them and their parenting and their kids so harshly. I mean, that the things that you you say in this question are, are pointed and hurtful. And um, I'm guessing that, you know, these friends of yours feel insecurity around you, which is why they say things like, ha ha, I know we're terrible parents, because they're trying to kind of get out ahead of that feeling of insecurity they have. They probably get a sense that they're being judged and probably don't love it. Um, So I don't know. I mean, I definitely wouldn't say anything. And I I, I would definitely just, if you're going to continue with this relationship, imagine 
how it would feel or whether you'd feel comfortable just reading the email that you wrote to us to them. <laughs> and and what does that actually say about the friendship? So I also hear two things. Like well, but that. so let's say the letter writer takes your advice and, and, and puts themselves in the friend's shoes and imagines hearing that letter and, and thinks, yes, I would feel really bad if I heard a friend say that about me. W- what happens then? Like where well, does that the, get you? Basically, it only gets you either like you, you. This friendship isn't what you think it is. It's not as strong a friendship as you think it is. Or I should definitely not say anything. I should reframe this. I should make it about an offer of comfort or an offer of help or an offer of aid, and not about trying to intervene in some way to change who these people are and who their kids are. And I, I think what I was trying to to say there was just that the way this is framed cannot and should not bleed into the relationship and. I suspect, though, that it already has because of the way the friends are framing it to the letter writer. You know, I I think that we're terrible parents thing. It's either there's something really wrong and they need help or they're being defensive proactively against what they already perceive as some judgment. When they say uh, when they call themselves bad parents, does it come after the letter writer and his or her spouse have given one another a meaningful look? Right. Right. Also, I feel like calling yourself a bad parent is like a verbal tick of modern parenting. Like people are just like, (laughs) people are like, oh, I forgot a fruit patch. I'm such a bad parent. Like whatever. You know, like I don't know if that's really opening the conversation up for meaningful dialogue. And I think the only way to really, it's really hard to have meaningful adult conversations when you have like chaotic children running around all the time. So this environment certainly would never be a good opportunity to address any of these things. So I think that if this relationship is really important to you, when you have your own child, there's going to be an opportunity to shift some of these dynamics, hang out with them more um, when, like in a adult contexts or different contexts. And maybe, you know, that will shift things up enough for you all to sort of see, you know, the value of this friendship or not. I, I hear everything you guys are saying. I'm not disagreeing. And yet I got to wonder, like, if the let, let's stipulate that the letter writer and their spouse are like good at being with kids and he has run a daycare and, and they've been a behavior. They are a behavior specialist in public schools. Let's say there's some obvious intervention or modification that you really want to suggest to the parents. Can they get one tip in even at the cost of antagonizing the friends? Can they get in one tip that might be useful? I think the only thing I could imagine is opening the door and just saying, wow, like that, you know, that I know it must be so stressful when Timmy does that. You know, I deal with a lot of the stuff in my work if you ever want to talk about it. I mean, that right. really to me would be the only if you wanted to just open the door to remind pe- them that you have this professional context and invite them to talk to you about it. But I just think being like, OK, one unsolicited tip about your shittiness as a parent, I'm out. <laughs> like, I just don't think that that's going to work. So I, I I have a friend who um, has a kid that I don't like. I'm gonna be really transparent about that. What's their name? <laughs> I'm not saying. Where their do name. they live? <laughs> but one of the things that I've become really aware of is that there is no interest in um, my opinion about that kid or about what may be leading to the kids. Um, behavior or personality or what may be behind it. There's no interest. What has really helped our relationship, because I care about this friend a lot, is that I realize how hard it must be to have a kid that people don't like. Because I guarantee you, you are not the only people, this letter writer, who don't like these kids. Like if kids are being, if kids are, you know, routinely difficult, I mean, these kids are still young. So like kids can be like wild little animals and they're little. So they'll probably grow out of it. But 
you are aware and it creates a sense of shame and a sense of defensiveness. And, you know, what's really helped my relationship with this person is just to say to her, like, this must be really hard on you. Like, how are you doing? You seem like stressed about this. How are you? And just leave the kid out of it because, you know, even if you hate your own kid sometimes, like even if you see a behavior and you're like disgusted by it or you just don't understand how your kid could possibly have done something and you totally understand why other parents are like giving your kid shade, even if you get it, it's still your kid and it's still an extension of who you are. And it's still like, you know, it's not like you're going to divorce your kid and be like, you know what, you're right. My kid sucks. I'm just going to like send them to an orphanage. You're not going to do that. So you're always going to err on the side of just like not saying anything or just sort of being back on your heels about it. So, you know, I think the connection with your friends as people and asking them how they are doing can be the key. Um, But honestly, like, any if if you don't like the person's kid like they 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 she's probably figured it out just you know try to knock off whatever signals you're sending in that regard and if you want to maintain the friendship just focus on on her and, and on her husband and ask them how they're doing you know how they're feeling uh but like leave the kid conversation just completely out of it all right um i hope that was helpful um don't you know don't try to slip in a, a little tip that probably wasn't such a great idea <laughs> <Don't do it. laughs> Refrain it. <laughs> I was, that was more of a thought experiment than advice. If you do try to slip in a tip, uh, write to us and uh, let us know how it goes. Time now on this program where we make recommendations, uh, things that we recommend to you in your parenting career or journey. Catherine, do you have a recommendation for us today? Yes. So I've noticed you all have done a lot of book recommendations lately, and I have something completely different. So I would like to recommend a website called hotelsbyday.com. Have you all heard of hotelsbyday.com? No, I'm looking no, it up right now. No, but it sounds naughty. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hotelsbyday.com is a website where you can book hotels just during the day. So not for an overnight stay. So, okay, Gabe says it sounds naughty, but I'm actually letting you know that this has some amazing parenting applications. So... Um, uh, about a month ago, we, uh, had, we are moving and we are selling our apartment and, um, we had our big first open house for our apartment on Sunday and we, um, my son was like a little bit sick on Saturday, but we thought he was going to bounce back. And I had this whole plan to get him out of the house the entire day. I was going to take him to this friend that lives almost an hour away. It was going to be this huge production. So, you know, my husband could help clean up and we would get him away from the house during the open house. Uh, that night, he has a terrible night's sleep. He's up half the night. He wakes up, is in a terrible mood and then like throws up on me. And I'm like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? Like it's it's winter it's 39 degrees and raining. There's no, like, hanging out outside. We can't go to any – our friends uh, in Harlem, which is an hour away, which we'd planned on. We can't go to any friends close by because, like, what if he has some weird bug? We're going to infect them. So I go to this website and I book a hotel room from 10 to 4. He ends up perking up. He's fine. He's fine. But he needs to nap. And, like, we can't go to some fun indoor activity because, he, like, he's not feeling well. So – we rent this hotel room and he can take a nap. We can relax. It was like not far from our house. And I realized that like there's so many opportunities where you could use a hotel room during the day as a parent if you have like a weird travel layover or if like you decide like for a kid's birthday party, you're going to like take him to a hotel with a pool. Like you can just rent the room for the day. It's usually cheaper than the overnight rate. And then I also found out that there's some other websites also dayuse.com 
does the same thing. And then there's also this app called Recharge where you can actually rent a hotel room by the minute. And um, apparently it's really popular with um, nursing and pumping moms who like want a clean and quiet um, place to uh, pump breast milk because like in America we like don't believe in providing that. So you can like get a hotel room for like 30 minutes or whatever if you're out and about and that's in a couple of cities. But anyway, I thought there are many times in life where like two hours at a hotel room or four hours at a hotel room can like really save you as a parent. And this was a time where I needed to like throw money at the problem of getting my kid out of the house. And so I thought you all might benefit from this amazing new daytime hotel discovery. Are you allowed to use the amenities at the hotel by day? So if there's a pool, can you use it? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I am definitely going to be like watching TV for an hour in the middle of the afternoon one day next week. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot in near the Slate office down here, I'm actually. sure there are, yeah. And and I look forward to uh, sampling them and letting you know which one is the best. Also, naps, adult naps. If you're like, I need a nap for an hour, I do need a nap for an hour. You can use these websites for an hour-long nap. Hmm. That seems great. This uh, is a our, great alternative use for something that absolutely on its face is about people having affairs. Absolutely, right? That's what it's actually for, right? Right. <laughs> okay, I'm just checking. I don't know if it's actually for that because, like, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it is, but I think hotels are just like, we can make money on these em- empty yeah. rooms during the day. Next yeah. week on Mom and Dad are fighting, <laughs> we'll be recommending airport bars. <laughs> well, I always like to recommend weird stuff like dinner parties yeah. and going out drinking. So I'm just ke- keeping on my, like, great. really yeah. unconventional recommendations. Great recommendation. Yeah. Rebecca, what totally. are you? What are you recommending? Uh, I'm going to recommend I was strolling through my um, offerings on Amazon Prime because I always forget, you know, you have these different things that you pay for and then you realize they also come with like streaming media and like a lot of things are like that, not just Amazon Prime. But what I discovered is that Batman, the animated series, the 1992 to 1995 show is on Amazon Prime. It is free. Uh, with your Prime subscription. Now, I would not recommend this for little kids. There's a lot of violence and darkness in Batman the Animated Series. But when my kids were, I don't know, I want to say like 9 to 12, we were super into this show. We loved watching it. We had all the DVDs. Um, you know, we watched it. It's it's a very dramatic uh, well-done, stylized, animated Batman show that this was pre-Dark Knight, pre the Christopher Nolan Batman treatment, was sort of, sort of tried to harken back to some of the, you know, darker, quote-unquote, Batman stories that it's not nearly as dark as the modern iteration of Batman, so don't worry about that. But, you know, there is, you know, he does beat up the bad guys and there's crime and stuff in it. Um, but I really loved Batman the Animated Series and just discovered that it is free with your Amazon Prime subscription. So if you have kids that are into this sort of episodic um, serial style shows with plot uh, that still are willing to watch something animated. Um, I recommend it. Batman the Animated Series, the one from the 90s. It's great. Great show. Um, I'm going to recommend something really exciting, which is a children's picture book. I know Catherine has <laughs> uh, essentially negged me for so recommending twee of lots, of, lots of children's <laughs> picture books. Um, but come on, there's so many great picture books. And um, do you guys know the book A House is a House for Me? Do you know this one? No. See, you don't know that one, and it's going to enrich your life. Um, It's a book from the 70s. It's by Marianne Hoberman. The pictures are by Betty Fraser. It won the the Caldecott Medal, but um, a lot of people today don't know it. It's a long poem, basically. It's a like lovely rhyming poem about how everything is either a house or it lives in a house. 
like uh, it starts with all the animals, like a sty is a house for a pig, but but it it goes on to a sort of metaphorical application of the concept, like a shoe is a house for a foot, a foot, and it it um it goes on and on, and it gets deeper and deeper, and it becomes more and more conceptual, and then it becomes about the fact that once you start looking at the world this way, then you start seeing houses or things living in houses everywhere. And I've been reading it, I read it with Eliza for a long time, and she loved it, and then I've been reading it with Leo because he's just aged into it. And we, you know, we have read it like every couple days for the past several weeks. And then the other day, he like got it. And he looked up and started like pointing out how different things are inside of other things. And it was just really interesting to him to think about the world in that way. Um, A House is a House for Me by Marianne Hoberman. Great book. Beautiful. And that is our show for today. If you have a question that you want us to address, you can call us at 424-255-7833. You can let us know what you thought about the show and join in the extremely exciting and active discussion in the Slate Parenting Facebook group. Go to Facebook and search for Slate Parenting or facebook.com slash groups slash Slate Parenting. Our show is produced by Benjamin Frisch. For Catherine Goldstein and Rebecca Lavoie, I'm Gabriel Roth. We'll see you next week. Ta-da! Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.